It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 21st, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to our discussion. Looking forward to it as well, and a very important discussion tonight and some special guests we have on the line uh, with us tonight. Yeah, we have, uh, we announced earlier to our update list that we were privileged to have an interview scheduled for tonight with two men who have started a counseling service, especially directed toward members of the Churches of Christ. We've got on the phone line with us Art Adams and Dan Barker, and they are both up in the state of Indiana, uh, but they have graciously agreed to join us on our program tonight. Uh, Art and Dan, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you. We're excited. Thank you. We're excited about this. Great. Well, we've been looking forward to it, and I think we have a lot of interest uh, in what you're doing on the uh, on the part of a lot of our listeners. You, I, I just found out about your counseling service uh, just last week or so, I think. And but but I don't think you've been doing it too long. Uh, just a few months. Am I right? Well, yes and no. Uh, I have been conducting weekend. I'm a gospel preacher as well as a, a licensed counselor, um, and I have been uh, conducting weekend addiction series for uh, since so the early 2000s. And what I have been identifying is uh, significant issues in uh, in the church uh, members who are sitting in the pew, as well as some uh, who are uh, more uh, more uh, obvious leaders in the church. And uh, what uh, from all of that, basically, what we have uh, have done is design leaving the pit, which is a which is a new phase of this, but it is an attempt to reach out to members of the church who are uh, hurting and need healing, uh, so that we can can help people to be everything Christ wants them to be. Well, I think that's great, and I know it's a much needed service. And one of the things, of course, that we're so uh, encouraged by and that we think is so important is that you uh, have indicated, of course, that you are going to organize or uh, do your counseling on the basis of biblical principles. And that's so critical because there's a lot of bad counselors out there, right? Well, there are some that certainly have a bad rep. I don't know what's said in private sessions, but I know the outcomes for some, there are horror stories that come from some sessions, yes. Exactly right. Well, uh, on your website, you mentioned that you deal with all sorts of things like sexual addiction, substance abuse, anxiety, eating disorders, depression, grief and loss, severe mental illness, coping with crisis, anger, family parenting, and youth issues. So you pretty well cover the whole gamut of things that people are really struggling with in this world. Uh, are, you've got... you've got a lot of initials behind your name uh I, I printed off your bio earlier today and 
I don't even know what all those numbers mean. You might tell us briefly what some of your credentialing is, but I mean, you're you're well qualified to offer these kinds of counseling services. Unfortunately, I have more letters in, in my letters after my name than I do in my name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically, uh, Greg, what these mean is I've passed a few tests and competency uh, uh, qualifications. I, don't, I have a master's in social work, a bachelor's degree in psychology. I have a four-year certificate of achievement for Bible studies uh, at Florida College. I am um, a licensed clinical addictions counselor a licensed clinical uh, addiction counselor. I hold the uh, KDAC-4, which is a certified alcohol and drug addiction counselor at the supervisory level. That means I can sign off on others. I have an international addiction certification. I uh, conduct uh, parenting evaluations and custody evaluations uh, upon request for, uh, for the courts. So that's what all those letters uh, stand for. Yeah, well, that's great. I, I want people to know that you, uh, I, I think probably the most important qualification to offer counseling that you've mentioned in all that you've said so far is the fact that you're a faithful gospel preacher, and I, I hold that Absolutely. in. Absolutely. That, that is the first and foremost thing that, that I, I do. Yeah. yeah, great. And Dan, your background is in education. Uh, uh, probably uh, several of our listeners uh, knew you through Florida College. You were at Florida College for for a while as a as a coach, and I think also as the athletic director. Am I right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I was uh, at Florida College from '69 to '74, which tells you a little bit about my age, I guess. But um, yeah, we had a, it was a great five years that we were there, and. Um, I've often wondered if we'd stayed there longer, um, how many more friends we'd have around the country that, uh, because we had we developed so many during that five-year period. Um, yeah. One of the things that I wanted to share real quick is that while I was coaching there, uh, Art was actually a student, and uh, so we go way back and uh, uh, over over 40 years, and uh, we reconnected here a few months ago. And uh, Art had shared with me uh, uh, what he does and his passion for what he does and uh, and expressed a desire to, to take this to another level, and, and and he wanted to know if I would help him. And after I understood what he was doing, I was uh, very excited to get on board and, uh, and hoping that I can <clears throat> contribute here. I don't have all the initials behind my name that he does. I have a lot of experience and yeah, I was basketball coach for 12 years and been in business, and I'm also a gospel preacher and uh, have preached for a long time and serving as an elder uh, as well. And so I have personally experienced a lot of these things that that you mentioned on that list a few minutes ago uh, and, and found myself, quite frankly, in positions where I, I found myself not even, uh, I was not equipped. Uh, I could take and I could show them passages of uh, Scripture that, that that deal with uh, perhaps what was going on in their life, but but I couldn't take it uh, couldn't take it to the level that they needed, and we were always looking for <clears throat> someone, uh, brother, sister that that was trained and licensed like Art is that we could uh, point them to, and um, and we find that the the arts of the world are far and few and far between, so. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do is create this new resource 
where we can uh, offer this uh, service to people. And uh, Art will talk about it in a little bit. But we're looking to, to maybe try to motivate some other Christians to get involved in this type of work as well. Uh, and to get maybe to, to uh, get some of our young people to think about uh, getting their degree, their education, and going in this way to be able to help, well, I think uh, to help others uh, out there. I think there is a great need. I, I have been in the same situation that you just described, Dan, where people come with some pretty extreme problems and i've i don't know how many times over the years i've had to say i'm not a i'm not a counselor i i i study the bible and i can give you some information from the bible that should be helpful but you know to know professionally how to address some of the really intense crisis kind of problems that people have i've always felt ill equipped and that's why i was really excited to find out that here you guys are a couple of uh faithful brothers in Christ who are able to offer some assistance in, in those ways. I, th- I think it's great. Uh, uh, and if it were to be possible, I mean, we're a long way. I mean, if, if we had a, a person in crisis in Middle Tennessee where we're located, it'd be pretty hard to get them in direct contact with you way up in, I know Art, you're way up in northern Indiana, I think. Um, so uh, maybe it can be so that you can encourage some others to, to get those same kind of uh, levels of expertise and maybe establish a whole network of places where people can get well, help. Well, Greg, that, that is what we're about. Uh, leaving the pit, actually, uh, I struggled for years to figure, how do I get to the person sitting on the back pew that's coming to service hurting and leaving hurting? How do we get to the people that walk out with the plastic smiles and are dying inside? And ultimately, what we uh, leaving the pit uh, has a number of different uh, approaches we're using, the first of which is kind of the introduction you had to it, Greg, uh, is to uh, to do some training for the leaders of the congregations, if you would, basically to help them to do some, um, uh, some psychological first aid on the individual, like a first responder. So how do you how do you keep them from bleeding until you can transport them and get them to some help? Uh, some people, all they need is a Band-Aid. Other people have more serious wounds. And uh, what we are doing with leaving the pit is we have first the train, train the trainers or train the leaders, and then we will have um, there will be a certification program, by the way, with that for those that wish to participate in it. Uh, and we will also uh, have some forums or clubs that people can join electronically uh, if they have um, the particular problems that we're opening up that month. Uh, We will be opening one on pornography, betrayal, and affairs uh, within the next 30 days. Uh, There will be a slight fee for that so we can cover our cost. Uh, But essentially those that are struggling with these issues, either having been betrayed by a spouse uh, or maybe having the problem of, of uh, pornography or having been caught somewhere in an affair, uh, these individuals will have a resource they can go to uh, at the touch of, uh, of a button on their computer and interact with and get advice, information, uh, some go-to kinds of meetings. They'll have those, uh, those options, uh, more, more to be announced. So keep going to leavingthepit.com. Yeah. 
uh, and to Facebook for your updates on that. All right, Dan, I the wanted other, to mention while you're while you're talking about that, you, you keep referring to leaving the pit, and that's the name of your website for these counseling services. And we've got that we've got that info up on our uh, video window, uh, so any any of our listeners who are hearing this uh, can copy that down. We've got your email, we've got Art's email there. If people are listening to this in our audio archives, uh, again, that's leavingthepit.com. And it, it, uh, run those letters all together, leavingthepit.com. Uh, and uh, t- t- where did you come up with that name? I think I saw something on your website about that. What, what's, the, what's the idea of that name, leavingthepit.com? Well, let's, let's let Dan feel that one. Okay, Dan? Yeah, we... Uh... Yeah, the, uh, it's based on uh, uh, what David was saying in Psalms, uh, the 40th chapter, verse 1, 2, and 3. Uh, and those that are on the line that have studied that and uh, know that uh, David was he was in a pit. Uh, he was struggling with sin in his life. He was uh, struggling with <clears throat> depression, a lot of different things. And, and he's actually uh, uh, crying out for help. And uh, it's, you get the picture there, if you look at that, it's, he was trying to climb out of this pit, and it's a muddy, slimy sides to it. And then as he's crying out to God, we see that God obviously helps and puts his feet on a solid rock and, and helps him get out of the pit. So that's what uh, that's what we feel like. Uh, you know, we use the word pit in a lot of different, <clears throat> a lot of phrases. That, you know, we hear sometimes people say, well, I'm, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm down in the pits, or I'm... Uh, uh, maybe they've uh, struggled with some issue, and you hear that that word even used today. But we thought that would be uh, uh, would be a good uh, verse to use and a good phrase to use to describe what we're trying to do is help people with whatever <clears throat> whatever their issue might be, uh, and give them uh, you know biblically based uh, counseling and instruction and education on how to help them get out of that pit that they're in. The website address is leavingthepit.com. If you'd like to talk, talk with Dan and with Art offline, leavingthepit.com. If you'd like to talk with them tonight, the, the number to call is 877-381-4567. And you can remain anonymous tonight. And you can also remain anonymous in the chat room. There's an option to remain anonymous there. You can sign in with an anonymous username so that if you have a question you'd like to ask anonymously. We can also field your emails at questions at collegeview.com. Let, let me read that text. I think it is so appropriate. Psalm 40, beginning verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. I think that is really an appropriate uh text and name for what you're trying to do here guys I, I commend you for that let me ask you a question uh, what about the person who thinks a- anybody ought to just be able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps come on i mean quit feeling so down and out and so sorry for you just get up and get going i mean it, it, how how would you address someone who views some of these issues that you're describing in that fashion now here's here's a fella and he's looking at this guy and this guy's got all a world of problems you know and and his ad this fella's attitude is that guy ought to just get up and get going what's the matter with him how would you address that concept well i would ask if they ever read first kings 19 <laughs> uh there's a fellow there named elijah 
and he has just had a championship uh, blowout on Mount Carmel in Chapter 18. But in Chapter 19, he has very clear signs of textbook clinical depression, and he is laying under a juniper tree. And uh, what the Lord didn't say is, get up and get with it. What the Lord did is basically helped him to find nourishment, uh, to find healing, to change his thinking, and then to change the direction, the course of his life. Uh, that's God's counsel, and we can use that kind of as a model. What God didn't say is, get up and get over it. Uh, nor did he tell him to lay there for 2,000 years until this little pill comes along that'll lift your mood and then you'll be okay. What he told him is, we need to get your thinking straight. You think you're the only one trying to do right, but there are 7,000 more just like you, my friend. And God also realized he was burnt out on the things he had done to that point in time. So God gave him some new and different things to do, some challenges. And Elijah uh, rose to meet those challenges. But while he was while he was under that tree, um, he wasn't out here... Um, uh, somebody, a uh, God just jerking him up and telling him to get on with it. Uh, there were some serious things that had to happen with him before he was able to get up and move on. I think that's, that's a, the kinds of things we're here to help people do. I think that's a great. I think that's a great tie-in, and that's a, certainly an applicable uh, story to relate to this sort of thing. So, one extreme would be the person who says nobody should have to have any help. And they ought to just be able, as I said, to pull up, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and get going on their own. That'd be one extreme of attitudes I think that sometimes people possess. Maybe the other end of the spectrum is the person who who is just he 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 does nothing for himself. He, he maybe he wallows in his in his uh, crisis, you know, and uses it as an excuse not to do anything. How would you address that sort of person? Certainly, there are people that love to get their attention from feeling sorry for themselves and trying to get others to do the same thing. Uh, those those individuals uh, need uh, need someone who will basically uh, look at uh, kind of what are the secondary gains this individual is getting. This is a person that perhaps lacks motivation, uh, perhaps has a long history of this is how they cope and deal with life's issues. Um, the uh, passage I would look at on that would be Galatians, the sixth chapter, that says each man shall bear his own burdens. And what that says is there are certain things God expects us, to, uh, the individual, to do. But then a couple of verses later, he tells us to bear one another's burdens. There are some things so heavy that we have to have help with. But there are some things that even though they're heavy, they are bearable. And those are things we have to do with our own life. A lot of folks have learned helplessness. And what we have to do, if we are doing their work for them, we're helping to make them sick. Okay, so... So, on the other hand, if their work is so heavy that they need some help, then we jump in there and help. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. Do you think, uh, in, in your considered opinion, would do you think that there are, in our modern age with maybe some of the factors that uh, accompany the modern age, that these kind of crisis issues are greater in our time than they have been in the past? Uh, my personal thought on that is human nature hasn't changed since the Garden of Eden. 
uh, and that uh, some sometimes we hear more about it because we have um, more rapid communication in our day and time. But uh, we can find all of these things in the Bible, and uh, uh, certainly, certainly, uh, each age has its own challenges and difficulties. Perhaps uh, ours is that we have too much, uh, too much fun with it. And we expect to have a life that is almost flatline or above. Yeah. Um, no, care, carefree, I don't want any issues. I want everything fixed immediately. Yes, yes. And so, so it's not okay to experience life on life's terms. Uh, there are times that we have bad days. And there's times when we're so joyous we can't even hardly sit still. Um, and then there's days that are kind of humdrum. That's life. Okay, yeah, but you're saying that in our society today we don't have a tolerance for those ups and downs. I'm saying we're addicted to fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a good description too. Um, what about? And again, I want to get more specific with you all here in just a minute. But what about the idea uh, of medications uh, to deal with these? life issues you know i'm i'm depressed uh, my kids have been misbehaving uh, uh my my husband or my wife has been cheating on me and and so i went to the doctor and he gave me a bottle of pills and i just sort of get get myself lost in those pills uh, or or anything like where does where does uh chemistry come into this and how much how much uh, use of that should a person think about could you give us sort of a guideline on that? Because I know there's an awful lot of people taking medication for emotional issues these days. What's your view Absolutely. on that? Absolutely. Maybe, maybe we need a whole program on this one, but I'll give you a tidbit. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I, I would suggest is I believe that the diagnosis of depression is way overdiagnosed. Um, we have people that will go to a doctor or go to a, a professional and go down through a list, and they say, I'm tired, I'm not sleeping well. And by the third question, someone says, well, you're depressed. Let me, let me give you something for that. Um, the truth of the matter is that there are nine, nine different kinds of depression. Some of those are, do respond to medication, major depression being one of those. Others of them, the evidence shows that they don't respond well at all to medication. Uh, so the question is, what kind of depression does an individual have? And that's going to determine whether they truly need medication. The, uh, there are some people that have chemical imbalances that do require medication to bring the, the chemistry back. Uh, however, there are some people that become dependent on medication. And what I would say is a pill is not a skill uh, so that... The pill may take a person there to get their mood elevated until such time as they can get their thinking and their skills before they can take it over for themselves. Um, Many pills are not determined, uh, are not intended to be long-term. They're intended for the short term. But unfortunately, people get used to those and reliant on those and don't do the work they need to do to get better. All right. So you you would agree that... The, probably too much reliance on on uh, pills and uh, narcotics and that sort of thing. Probably that's 
that is contributing somewhat to the issues that we have to deal with in in this time. I would say that uh, yes, but here's here's the here's the disclaimer I put on that. We did not say on this program quit taking your pills. Oh, that's uh, right. Sure, need, sure. What sure. we need for people to do is to evaluate whether they actually need those pills, uh, and that's something they need to take up with uh, with their uh, their healthcare professional uh, or their or the counselor, and ask the question: Is there something I could do uh, besides these pills? And in many cases, there are. For instance, with depression, the medical literature, major depression, the medical uh, for, uh, the medical journals indicate that in many cases, aerobic exercise is as effective as a antidepressant. Wow, that's good information right there. I did not know that. I said in many cases. Yeah. And aerobics doesn't mean we're out here doing a jazzercise. Means we're getting our heart rate up and doing some walking, kind of getting getting our system revved back up. I see. Very good. Very good. All right, man. I want to. I want to. We're going to take a quick break uh, and get some information out to our audience. And uh, we call it. We call our mid-hour break the bullet point break. We're going to take a quick bullet point break, and we're going to come back. When we come back, you guys hang on the line, and you probably your phone line is going to go silent. By the way, guys, so just hang there, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. And uh, when we get back, let's let's move directly into this uh, subject of addiction. All right. We'll get a break and uh, we'll continue the discussion with Art Adams and Dan Barker on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. We understand that there is not a ranking system for sins, By this we mean that no sin is worse than another in regards to the damning effect on the soul. One sin, any sin, for which there is no repentance and forgiveness, leads to eternal loss. So in this sense, all sins are equal. But we think this view of things is really too simplistic. Some sins are worse than others in regards to the progression that follows. Some types of sin are likely to lead to other sins. And while noting the eternal consequences of all sins, there are also immediate this-world costs associated with particular sins. For instance, theft often leads to the sin of lying to cover up the initial wrong. Or viewing pornography almost always results in an addiction that leads to more immorality. Horrible and devastating things can result from these sorts of sin. We grow weary of some, including some of our own brethren, who attempt to make arguments of moral equivalence relative to some sins. We've heard them say, for instance, drinking alcohol is no different than overeating. Really? Have you known anyone who abused or neglected their family, lost their job, or fell under the influence of evil companions because they ate one too many donuts? We offer no justification here for overeating. We understand that it's an issue that affects many of us. Certainly lots of Christians have health issues associated with this problem. But seriously, if the best argument that can be offered in defense of drinking alcohol is, I may drink a little, but you eat too much, then we conclude that the drinking folks have no solid ground to stand on. Bottom line, we should never try to justify one fault by pointing to a different fault in others. Paul said it this way, quote, We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking with Art Adams and Dan Barker from Leaving the Pit. You can find out more about them at leavingthepit.com. And we welcome your comments tonight. Again, we'll take them anonymously in the chat room, over email, or on the phone tonight at 877-381-4567. Uh, Art and Dan, let's talk about addiction. And, and maybe probably a, a, a good place to start is how, how would you define addiction? What, when am I addicted to something? What constitutes addiction? word addiction means to be bound together to. And essentially what it, uh, what, it, what that depicts is a stronghold, that's the Bible term for addiction, um, such as um, we need, uh, the uh, scriptures are powerful to the casting down of strongholds. Um, that would be a, a concept of an addiction. Uh, it's the idea of a fortress that has been built in, uh, in an individual's life that they they basically are held captive to. Um, addictions uh, take many forms. When we talk about addictions, typically we think of alcohol and drugs, but addictions can be to foods. Uh, they can be to things like gambling, to relationship, uh, to lots of various other things. Um, and uh, uh, it's the idea of something that is holding the person uh, in, in slavery. Uh, they uh, they basically um, uh, are in that pit. They can't pull out of it. Okay. Uh, in we fact, got... uh, I was when you were mentioning that, uh, a verse came to mind, Second Peter 2, beginning verse 18. In the New American Standard Version, it says, it speaks of fleshly desires and sensuality. They themselves are slaves of corruption. By, for by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. And so uh, verses like that would suggest that this problem of being addicted to various things uh, is of long standing. It's not something that's new to our generation, for sure. Along those lines, we have an email from Georgia tonight. Uh, this listener says, I struggle with eating, right? So maybe I have a junk food addiction. My question is, how do you resist that strong mental pull towards doing what you know you should not do and instead do the things you know you should be doing instead? This could apply to eating, watching the wrong shows on television, or any negative behavior. So would you gentlemen like to comment on that question? Uh, how, how, do you, how, how do you get over some of these uh, things? And that, that's a pretty broad question, but uh, any help for the what's, what? Yeah, it, just in general, what's the general approach? If I feel like I'm overtaken by something, and maybe it is eating, maybe I'm eating too much, and I just, I mean, I, I'm just binging out on food, uh, uh, you know, almost every day, and what are some of the general biblical principles that I need to apply to overcome addictions in general? I want to go to this question of pornography specifically, but just what what are some broad concepts from the Bible that would help someone who feels out of control in regards to any specific thing? The broadest concept is having a God that's spelled with a little G. Uh, the Bible talks about whose God is their bellies. Some people live to eat and eat to live, and uh, perhaps they have made a god out of food. Um, Paul tells us we should be able to take or leave food, uh, such as the eating of meats. We should be able to take it or leave it. 
uh, many folks would have great difficulty with that. Um, the Bible also talks about fasting and prayer. We don't hear a lot about fasting in our day and time, um, but that would be uh, basically um, a person that has uh, is in control of himself and not being brought under the power of any. Uh, there where he talks about meats for the belly and so forth. And he says, I will not be brought under the power of any, showing that these uh, food, for instance, can enslave us. If we talk about the sexual addictions, then we can make a god out of our sexuality, and we can end up with eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, as Peter said. Uh, so we can go so far down the road to where we don't know the way back. Don't you and think that that's where folks have to help us? Right. <laughs> don't you think that uh, addictions come from the craving for gratification? I mean, I want uh, I want some sort of fleshly gratification, and uh, and and I I enjoy that gratification, and then I go back for more, and I just uh, I get to where I just. Uh, crave that gratification of whatever fleshly desire it might be. I, b- I believe that addictions, uh, in every case I can think of right now, are a shortcut to spirituality. What the Lord offers us is um, is that which fills us, keeps us full, quenches our spiritual thirst, and uh, addictions is a shortcut to that. When you look at uh, why do people do what they do in terms of the uh, obsessive-compulsive parts of addiction? It's because they feel empty, because they are looking for something that brings them pleasure or satisfaction. And when we look at what, what spirituality will do for us, it, it's the real deal. It'll give you that. But many times people get sidetracked onto, um, onto lesser things and began expecting those lesser things to provide for them what God alone can. So there's an emptiness there that they're trying to fill with something that could be filled with pursuing the will of God in their life and and gaining the blessings that He offers. But it's it's exactly. easier to we go hunger and hunger and thirst after righteousness, where promise will be filled. We won't be empty. Yeah. But many people in today's culture uh, and across the spectrum of time uh, are empty. Uh, they need they need that satisfaction in life, and they're using substitutes to uh, for that. Yeah, be, because really, uh, pursuing God at the level that He asks us to pursue Him, uh, it, it it can be kind of hard work, and it's pretty easy, you know, just getting a bottle uh, and and drowning my sorrows, as they often say. It, that's that's easier than putting forth some effort and pursuing uh, a, a faithful life of service to God. Absolutely. If we want to put that in uh, in our clinical term of addiction, in 1 Corinthians 16, along by verse 14 or 15, there Paul says that those Corinthian brethren needed to be addicted to the ministry. Yeah. There's the word addiction. Yeah, it's even addicted right in the text. to the ministry. And what that says is there's a good form of addiction. If you want to be addicted to something, you want to be obsessed with something, be obsessed with the Lord. Yeah, very good. Uh, a listener in the chat room uh, brings to mind a passage uh, or a concept from the Scriptures that is uh, definitely has to enter in here, and you, you gentlemen can talk about this in, in our thought process. The, the listener says, the heart of man, as he thinks, so is he. How, how, how crucial is it that we work on that thought process and getting those thoughts lined up with where they need to be? 
Um, very, very crucial. The way I would put that is what the mind dwells on, the body will act on. So if we are, if we have our head full of stuff that takes us the wrong direction, guess what? We'll go the wrong direction. So, uh, so we do have to get our thinking straight in order to get our life straight. I've often so heard it as, as we think in our heart. So, so are we. Yeah, what I've we often heard it said. What we act on. Yeah, I've often heard it said, uh, thoughts precede actions. If I think about something, I will sooner or later act upon that uh, and, and act it out. Let's take that. We, we announced uh, to our update list that we were going to especially deal with, with pornography addiction. Uh, Art, when I spoke to you on the phone the other day, you, you uh, suggested some really scary statistics concerning how many people are actually addicted to pornography. Hey, um a recent study, like in the last uh, 24 months, uh, was done by the Barna Group, which is um, which is a, a group uh, works with Covenant Eyes and uh, and some of the uh, some of the standard uh, um, Christian, Christian in quotes uh, magazines and so forth that are out there in the denominational world. What they are saying is that pornography with men is running about 65% in the churches. Wow. That's, that's incredible uh, that's across, to me. That, that's across the board of denominations. Now, yeah. the, but, the, uh, the, but the Lord's Church would be immune to that, right, Art? Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 would like to, I would like to think so, but unfortunately that isn't true. You said the other uh, day you I, don't think that uh, in churches of Christ it's probably that high, but you said maybe approaching 50% of men in churches of Christ are dealing with this issue. Yes, I, I, I would guess, um, and this would be an estimate, uh, based on my 50, 50 weekends I've spent with folks talking specifically about this issue, uh, I'm, I think we're looking at 40, 40 to 50% of the men and about 25% of the women. That's, that's just amazing to me. So, I mean, our listeners can think about sitting uh, in the assembly Sunday morning and in the number assembled there, four or five out of ten are dealing with this crisis issue in their life. Including people in uh, uh, in active part of public service. Yeah, including a number of the ones who are standing behind the pulpit. Yes. I would imagine. Yes. Now, Serving the communion, et cetera. Yeah, and, that, and, and, and a problem here, Greg, is, is these individuals are suffering in silence because we're dealing with an issue that is very shame-based. We don't like to think of little Josie's uh, father sitting around the night before looking at porn and doing whatever you do with porn. I'll be cautious on what I say on the radio here uh, or on the, on the ways. But uh, we don't like to think of that. But the reality is we have a, a large number of people who are, um, who are coming to service hurting, sitting there in guilt because they know what they did the night before or what they've done numerous times. When I say the women uh, are running about 20, 23 to 25%, the women typically do not go to the same sites the men go to. Men generally will go to the pictures and the movies. Uh, that's because that's basically men are, are gratified first by sight. Uh, the women are usually uh, gratified by relationship. And so the thing that draws uh, our women to uh, to the chat rooms and to the uh, to the relationship uh, parts of the internet, um, uh, those parts are 
basically needing affirmation, endorsement, things that should be getting at home, but they aren't. Uh, just like for the men, things that should be happening at home aren't. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, we have we've had uh, numbers of our of our uh, Christian women who have forsaken home and family to go to meet somebody they met on the internet. Right, we've heard that of those. Affair, uh, uh, on the internet. Yeah, we've heard those horror stories for sure. Uh, now we were talking about the fact that the problems of addictive behavior uh, are as, as nearly as old as time, but. Would you agree that this problem of pornography is uh, currently uh, in epidemic proportions and, and is exploding on the scene uh, primarily due to the Internet and the easy access to that sort of thing that people have now? Well, yes and no. I would say, if you say epidemic, I would say no. I would say pandemic. Uh, it is so widespread and actually is projected to increase by 33% more by 2017. That's next year. Wow. That's incredible. That's how fast it's growing. There are over 43,000 porn sites and growing every day. And, and, and of course, the easy access is just killing us because, you know, uh, used to be if you uh, of course before there was before there was the printed page uh you it, it, the, the issue would have been a lot less you'd have had to have been in the physical presence of 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 someone in order to view them illicitly but then they started they started printing thing on things on paper and people could do that but at least you had to go get that you had to uh, you had to go to the to the corner drugstore and, and buy your dirty magazine and 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 worry that the the cashier or someone else in the store at the time you were there would see what you were doing and and so that 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 surely served as a a hindrance to some who would have pursued that if they but they were a, a little too ashamed to get out in public and let it be known what they were doing and and so that that held back some people, I would especially think that held back some people who, who professed to be servants of Christ. But then along came the Internet. And now a fellow can sit in the, in the privacy of his own home, uh, uh, maybe uh, in the middle of the night when everybody else is in bed. Nobody knows what he's doing, and he's clicking on websites, and he's, he's viewing the very worst sorts of things. Uh, but he, at, at least in his mind, he imagines he can do this with anonymity. That's correct. Um, and unfortunately, as Paul told Timothy, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Where the problem starts is not where it stops. Ultimately, what starts on the screen will come off that screen and will be acted out in reality. Internet pornography is basically voyeurism, keeping calm. What's what's the progression? Well, if you were if you were to describe how how does this how does this progress? And uh, let's take the uh, here, here's a fella. Uh, he's a young to middle aged Christian man, and uh, uh, how, how did he get started? And how does it progress in his life? And and at what points could a person wake up and see the red flags and sort of short circuit that? What what would be the progressive nature of this sort of thing? Progressive nature is that what starts out as curiosity, then uh, a person begins to look further and further and then finds uh, something that is satisfying, uh, goes back, returns to it, 
And essentially, over time, what they do is they start altering their brain. Uh, without getting too technical on this, what happens is we have the dopamine rush, uh, which is the feel-good uh, chemical in our brain, uh, along with the bonding stuff, the oxytocins, uh, that connect. And the individual looking at the porn forms a bond, an emotional bond, for the, for the things he's seen on the screen. Unfortunately, there is a third chemical, uh, abbreviated PEA, that kicks in when an individual looks at something that is new and different. And so we have three chemicals acting that actually should be acting toward a, a, a man and his wife. Uh, but now they're acting toward a third uh, set, of, set of circumstances. And as a result, that individual is rewiring their brain, they're rewiring their thinking to where the, the, the reality of the real, the real woman, the wife, no longer is a turn-on for them. And so they continue to feed off of the electronic. There is no woman alive can compete with a fantasy. Uh, now that third that third chemical element that you suggested that there's a third component here to the, to what's going on in your brain that wants something new and I, I would I would imagine that what you're suggesting there is I don't keep going back to the same pages and seeing the same thing over and over. I I want to see more I want to see more explicit things in other words I'm not I don't get that same rush now by seeing the same things I've been seeing and so this sort of escalates right. That's correct. That's the nature of the addiction, is you have to have more and more of the same thing or something different that is stronger. And that's where we have people that will get into one of the things that the Bible condemns in the Old Testament and that had the death penalty attached to them in the the Law of Moses. But people get addicted to that, and then what will happen, the more and more they're going to these sites, then you have your... um, uh, you have your um, your spyware that comes in there and says, hey, this guy is going to all these sites. Let's send him this stuff. And what it will say is, hey, there's a woman down the street five minutes from you that will come and um, no questions asked, and you all can have a good night, a good and, time. And, and so then it leads to actually acting out on what you've been doing. Ultimately, just, just the the mental images, just the, the visual gratification is not enough and actually – uh, then this this pornography addiction, taken to its fullest, will will actually involve acting out. When you open the door to Satan, he's going to use the door. That's and, right, uh, and that's what happens. Now, you know, absolutely. And you, we hear things about uh, about drugs that how you know methamphetamine, especially how it rewires your brain, and and uh, you're saying that the pornography does the same. So that in and of itself should be enough to. Throw up the red flag for folks to say, uh, this is not something you play around with. Yes. So essentially what a person is doing is training their brain uh, to be satisfied with pornography. Now, herein is another problem that we need to address here. That is, when people start at, uh, at, with pornography at an early age, um, that uh, before marriage, then what they do is they actually awaken their sexuality and they train themselves as a sexual being to be satisfied with what's on that screen. The devil's lie is when you get married, that won't be a problem anymore. That is the devil's lie, because people who get married will find that the self-satisfaction uh, can be more intense 
than the natural satisfaction of a man and his wife. I wanted to ask you about this now. <clears throat> what's your what's your experience in in talking to people, even parents, uh, families within the church? Uh, about kids and early exposure, I, I, I think my my impression is that this is a huge, huge problem that parents are not being careful enough. What happens? What happens when a young person is exposed to these things uh, at at an early age? I mean, can you talk about how devastating it is, and and warn our parents about how important it is that they protect their kids from this sort of exposure? I'll tell you, let me put it this way. If I were to tell you that the devil and his angels open up a, a, a school down the street, and uh, um, uh, we want to take your kids down there and enroll them, would you do that? And most parents, uh, certainly members of the church, would say absolutely not. But what we do is we do the same thing. We do not have, we do not have the talk. We do not... Uh, often in homes, we do not have the conversations about the facts of life. We don't go to the Bible. The fact is, uh, some brothers don't like me saying this, but the Bible is a sex book. It is not only a sex book, but it is full of sexual information that needs to be spoken of as plainly as God speaks about it. And unfortunately, we are silent on the subject of sex too much. And as a result, the devil has become the tutor, and our brethren and the world has learned about his sexuality from the devil himself. Well, I think that is, I think you, you've hit on a real problem there, uh, uh, that a lot of parents uh, just forego dealing with this. Uh, and and as you say, then the world ends up being the teacher, and and we don't want, we, we obviously can't, can't let that happen. Um what what do we need to be telling our our uh our uh, christians uh especially young christians what what do we need to be telling them to do to to guard themselves against this tremendous danger i mean people are falling in this pit all the time and a lot of people are really struggling in the mire of that pit of pornography uh i'd like you i'd, I'd like you to talk about how, if I've not gotten there, if I've not fallen in that pit yet, what are some of the safeguards I need to put on my uh, uh, on myself to prevent it? And then, if I'm in the pit, what do I do? So, start first with what? Are, what are some of the safeguards I need to take to keep from letting this happen to me? They fall into three categories. Well, first is the parents who are uh, who whose home is as God intended to be. That is the best safeguard against getting your kids caught up in this stuff. Mom and dad who model loving parents uh, at home where we communicate, where we talk about things, including the facts of life and human sexuality and life and death, and that requires us to spend time and energy uh, with our families. Um, and father being the spiritual leader of that. Um, so that's, that's among the first. The next three things are three categories that have to be guarded carefully. People, places, and things. We need to be careful. Evil companions still corrupt good morals, First Corinthians 15. Uh, we have to be careful of the people. We have to be care careful of the places we go. 
because those places where often the exposure is. And then the things that we play with often are not playing back with us. And so we need to guard people, places, and things and be, be as confident as we can be that these are things that help us to think on the things that are pure, that are wholesome, that are of good report, that are full of virtue and praise. I would, I, would that, I would especially think that category of things these days, there's so, there's so much access, uh, there, there's so much accessibility, and yes. I, I've, got to, I've got to control that. In other words, I've got to be careful how I let myself use those things. If I'm a parent, I gotta, I, my kids are not going to be strong enough to regulate themselves about those things, and so I'm. I, I've got to. I've got to work twenty four seven to make sure that I'm helping them regulate that. And it seems the overarching fear among parents is that we don't want to shelter our kids too much. How do you? How do you answer that? How do you deal with that? That uh, that concern that parents say, well, you know, you can't, you can't, sh- you can't keep them from all this. You've got to expose them. What are your thoughts on that? What we teach them to do is to wear all their clothes. Now, what I mean by that is Ephesians 5. The child of God puts on the whole armor of God. We need to teach our kids how to wear their armor and how to use the weapons of our warfare. And to do that, we need to step into some situations that where there may be cha- where there are challenges and show them how to do that. Um, we model that for them. Christian parents need to model Christianity for the kids. Uh, we help. We give them access to our thinking rather than just giving them orders. As to how do we arrive at this conclusion? What should we do? What shouldn't we do? The other piece that I would mention in here is every home needs to have a mission statement. Companies that have no mission statements don't survive. Bad homes that have no mission statements have no purpose for existing, uh, are going to have problems. So I strongly recommend a mission statement as to why are we married, what is this home about, what are we trying to accomplish. And that needs to go in a prominent place where it's seen every day and in a family meeting where it's reviewed. Uh, that's good advice right there. I think that's really excellent advice. Okay, we've just got... We just we're got running a, out of time, and we've got lots of ground to cover we're, still. We're running out of time. Okay, so... Let's say that I'm a guy who has fallen in the pit. Now, I mean, I I've gotten overwhelmed with this, and uh, and I, I you know I'm willing to say I'm willing to use that word addicted. I'm addicted to this now. What do I do now if I'm in that pit of pornography? Can I get out by myself? Is this something that I can do on my own, or am, am, what what do I do? Actually, a person's best thinking got them where they are, their best thinking is not likely to get them out. So what they need to do is listen to the the help and the recommendations of others. And that's a difficult thing, especially on a shame-based subject. Yeah, yeah, because you're going to have a lot of people who's just ashamed to admit that they got there. Yes. But as you say, on their own... Yes. On their own, that's where they got. So it's probably unrealistic to think that on their own they're going to get out of that. Some do, but very few do. So let me just just kind of give you some generic things here. Uh, the first thing is we need to confess and forsake our sin. That's a scriptural concept. And what that means is we need to we need to say I have a problem. I can't I I can't overcome it by myself. But 
God can. And so we need to turn our will and our life over to God. It's got to start with surrender. And and we need to ask for help. That's part of surrender. Uh, a lot of times folks in the church don't know how to help, although they're willing to. Uh, people, uh, sometimes we have to reach to other folks, such as uh, such as leaving the pit. And what we, uh, I didn't say this in the beginning, but we are having three-day retreats where in members of the church, it's only for members of the church and their families, uh, can come and participate, and let's get the devil out of your life. Um, so those opportunities are uh, will be on our website very quickly. The longer-term piece is a residential center, and that's about a year away. But it will be basically a place where members of the church can come and stay and get healthy um, in in their heads and in their spirituality. But a lot of this involves that I've I've got I've got to admit it to myself, and then I I need to confess it. Right, uh, I'm thinking of James five sixteen: confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The, 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 there the, there is a healing con there is a healing aspect to confessing my sins, and if I've got this addiction going on. I need to confess that. I need to open up about that because that's going to be a critical part in, in being able to get over it, right? Absolutely. Repentance and confession are important, but if I can be critical of our, our brethren for a moment, we kind of stop there, unfortunately, in many places. Because what we do not do is provide a forum for restoration. What got us in that pit, we, we, we can peep over the top and say, help me, help me. But what happens the next day and the day after that and the day after that? Uh, and that's where we have to have uh, a network of people who will step up and say, I'll help you, and you can call me any hour of the day or night, and we will get through this. In some congregations, uh, uh, and I applaud them, they've gone as far as to have, uh, have their own support meetings where uh, individuals that are having issues with pornography, uh, brethren, actually meet together and support and help one another. They've exchanged phone numbers. The wives are involved, uh, those who have been betrayed, and they're supporting each other uh, in this journey. I, I think that's Christianity at its best. All right. Well, listen, men, we are out of time, but we're so grateful for you spending this hour with us on the Virtual Bible Study uh, lots. Of, I mean, we could talk. We could talk for yeah, hours more. The surface, yeah, afraid. we did barely scratch the surface. But uh, I, one of the things that I was hoping we could accomplish, I hope we have been able to accomplish, and that is to get information out about what you guys are doing uh, in in offering these kinds of counseling services. Again, so importantly, biblically based counseling services that I think are so needed uh, in, in these times. And we appreciate you all for what you're doing. Uh, and uh, we've got your information. Uh, it's going to be accessible to our listeners. And, again, we just refer people to leavingthepit.com. Leavingthepit.com is the website for Art Adams and Dan Barker and what they're doing to offer these counseling services. Men, thanks for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Yeah, thank you all for <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. All right. Good discussion tonight, Dan. Yeah, I, I hope Scary it's helpful. Discussion. The numbers are, uh, are frightening there. You know, I, I, I saw a note in the chat room earlier. Uh, someone asked, is this a Bible study or a commercial plug for a secular counseling service? 
Well, we hope it was a Bible study, but we did we we purposely wanted to get information out there that that Art and Dan are providing these kinds of services to people, and 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 so we're not ashamed to say, yeah, we want to get that information out too. All right, leavingthepit.com. Uh, you can contact them there, and you can contact us questions at collegeu.com. Uh, we'd like to hear from you uh, if you've got any questions or comments about tonight's program. All right. All right. Josh has been behind the controls all night. Josh never even introduced you or talked to you. It's been a busy night, but thank you for being here, Josh. Appreciate yeah. you taking time. You thanks, had a long Josh. day and came and helped us after that long day. Thank you for being here. Appreciate your time, Dad. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.